usually we are super well prepared when we begin an episode. I would say uber prepared. Yeah. Okay. With the, the two dots on the U? Yeah. Yeah. Got Ooh, it. Louts, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I didn't know. I know what that is. Just as we were about to begin, we ended up running into trouble with the kegs at Frank's bar, the Winchester. Yeah, and and a very tragic turn of events. So Pastor Mike came over, Pastor Mike, who was on our recent Third Eye Blind episode and our Wicked Games episode, and he hung out for a bit and actually taught me something new that I'm now going to bring into our opener. So here's something I didn't realize. Santa Claus... You're actually saying St. Nicholas if you were a Dutch person trying to speak English. I know this as a Dutch person, yes. Okay. Uh, Well, my dad came over from Holland on a boat in 1952. It explains the wooden shoes he continually wears. That's right. (laughs) That's for you, Harry. Okay. So they'd say, St. Nicholas, they'd say, St. Nicholas, Santa Nicholas. Wait, let me try this again. Santa Claus. You have the best Dutch accent I've ever heard in my entire life. St. Nicholas, right? St. Nicholas, changing it to Santa Claus, right? St. Nicholas. To Santa Claus. To Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. I think that's how you say it. That's exactly. Well, actually, that probably is it. I'm a better Dutchman than you. This is the worst opening ever. This is the greatest Uh, opening ever. All right, great. Okay, back to my other opening. So my other opening was going to be this. (laughs) I went to see Elf at the movie theater when it came out, the one with Will Ferrell and James Caan. And it's it's a good enough movie. Not the greatest movie. I think it got overblown. It's okay. It's not the greatest Christmas movie. But it ends with them trying to bring the Christmas spirit back. And they sing Santa Claus is coming to town as a means of channeling the joy of everyone there. And I remember sitting in the theater thinking, this is the stupidest way to bring the Christmas spirit. (laughs) This song does not bring the Christmas spirit. It just brings up all the sort of um, anxiety we feel about Santa Claus. That he's watching you, judging you. That basically Santa Claus is the head of some sort of totalitarian like police state that just watches over you and and tracks your every movement, correct? Exactly. It's like having Sting from that song, Every Breath You Take. You, Frank. Yes. You're the one who suggested Santa Claus is coming to town as our episode. Yeah. And we couldn't decide on what version of the song to do because there are... There are about 7,000 versions of the song, and about 6,000 of them are terrible. And there's another 900 that are just awful. And then there's there, there's a handful that are really, yeah. really good. Though. Yeah, and by handfuls, I mean, like a, it's like a bushel. Yeah. I'm sure whatever we decide to title this episode, we'll reveal whatever songs we've picked to be the top two, I, I suppose. Yeah. But let's work our way through this. So we're going to start by talking about Santa Claus is coming to town as far as its history goes. So lay it down, Frank. Wikipedia states. So the, the song was actually written back in 1932 by uh, Haven Gillespie and J. Fred Coots. So they wrote the song and it kind of just 
it didn't do anything for for years, for a couple of years. They had trouble trying to uh, convince anyone to to produce uh, the song or record it. They saw it, you know, it's just this cheesy kid song. And I mean, at the time, they we're talking about like right in the middle of the Great Depression, too, right? So it's like around nineteen thirty four. Is that when it's written? Thirty two is when it was written. Okay. Thirty four is when the first recorded version oh. came out. I think no one really wanted to record kid songs, I guess, in the Depression because yeah. it was depressing. Well, the thing was, they were tasked with writing a Christmas song. So they're, I guess they're songwriting partners. Now, Gillespie was the one who wrote the lyrics. So he writes the lyrics for this, mm-hmm. thinking about his mother, who used to say to him, you better watch out because Santa Claus is watching. So worst form of parenting, but also I, I say that as a parent who would, use this because you run out of all your we call them quivers in the arrows yeah well yeah. A- arrows in the quiver arrows in the quiver yeah you run out of them pretty quickly and so yeah. my wife is really great at being positive with our son where it's like i understand why you're hitting me because you want something and so i understand it but we don't hit people in this family where i'm like stop hitting me yeah. don't do this or I'm I'm about ready to tell him Santa Claus isn't coming, which is yeah. which is more of an indictment on me as just a human being, not just as a parent. <laughs> yeah. But of course, this song is all about this. Yeah. She's saying this maybe in 1895, because the thing is, he's 45 years old when he writes these lyrics. Yeah. This is significant because you and I are 45. Yes. So there's still time. There's still time. I can write the next great Christmas song. Yeah. You have about nine months, I think. Uh. Yeah. About that. Yeah. So Gillespie writes the lyrics. What's the name of the other guy? Uh, J. Fred Coots. He writes the music within 10 minutes on a subway, okay. apparently, and then brings it to his publisher. I who's... didn't know that a subway was a musical instrument that you could write on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very funny. <laughs> funny man. <laughs> so his publisher says, oh, great. I don't think kids' songs will do that well. Although I think they were tasked with writing a Christmas song. I didn't quite get the whole thing, but yep. people didn't believe in it. But it ends up showing up on the show in 1934. Yeah. Some sort of radio program. Yeah. Eddie Cantor sang it on his radio program. So apparently Eddie Cantor was some sort of radio personality. And it didn't get recorded, but everyone who listened to it ordered song sheets. And it was like Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of requests for the song. So I heard that it it sold 500,000 copies of uh, of the sheet music. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, how many people lived in the United States back I then? I don't know. Like, at least 500,000. <laughs> it's true. It feels like the moment where the Christmas Carol was being published and everyone's waiting at the ship. Now, yeah. it's, now it's they're waiting for the sheet music. Yeah, yeah. So later in the year, we have a, the first ever recording. Yep. Which is by Harry Rezer. <laughs> Oh, this is the one that takes like seven minutes to get into the actual lyrics. Well, this is a strange thing with it because there's so much instrumental stuff where, I don't know, music was different back then where people were more patient. Well, they sat around a radio. He's making a list, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty and nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he does a version, and it does incredibly well. And within that year, Tommy Dorsey also does a version as well. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're away. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. Better not shout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. And what struck me was how they sang back then. So there's a whole bunch of things that came to my mind. Was One is... They sang differently, but people talked differently in the 30s. Yeah, they talked like this, see? Oh, you're a bad guy, I can tell, yeah. see? <laughs> the uh, Like, I think about the Abraham Lincoln. I didn't. Did you see the movie with Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah. Well, apparently, he talks with this weird voice, I right? Like some high-pitched squeal. Yeah. So, if you keep going back in American times anyways, you're going to have this sort of weird... British accent, American accent, because it's still going to be yeah. moving towards new pronunciations and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when you listen to these songs, like, oh, that's how they sang? I was like, is that what they thought a good voice sounded like? Oh, okay. But I mean, now we get to our time. It's like, can we do another trill? Like, please don't do another trill. No more of those trills, please. So we head into all these different versions. Now we're going to talk about the versions because we got to pair it down to two that we're yeah. going to choose between. But we should work our way through this song. Yeah. And so, as we work through it, I'm, I'll play clips from various versions of it. Yeah. Just to be fair. So, what I didn't realize, and uh, probably most of our contemporary listeners wouldn't, wouldn't know either, the song actually starts off with a fair bit of uh, space travel. Yeah, it was super weird. Yeah. <laughs> So, he says, I just came back from a lovely trip along the Milky Way. Stopped off at the North Pole to spend a holiday. I called on dear old Santa Claus to see what I could see. He took me to his workshop and told his plans to me. So, and then we go into chorus. Jump right into the chorus. But you only get this version of maybe three or four songs. Like I went through as many as I could. If yeah. someone's like maybe a hipster might throw it in these days. Yeah. But it's sort of like he's playing on his ukulele. Yeah. Like the Christmas song, the the Nat King Cole one. I yeah. think there there's an early version there's there's a version Bob Dylan does oh, recently okay. that incorporates the very beginning. So this has a two at least two verses that are very odd. This is one where a trip along the Milky Way. I mean, we astronomy is still doing pretty well in 1934. Yeah. So I I don't think Gillespie is uh is much of a stargazer as much as he maybe would just wants to play along. But they barely even have commercial air travel in 1934, right? Like it's like that. That's like sort of really really early on. So like talking about space travel like this is this is almost a sci-fi song at this point so yeah we have a this like war of the worlds but for christmas music. yeah okay, <laughs> exactly okay so this goes back to this dystopian sort of police state that i was talking about earlier yeah i just come back from a lovely trip along the milky way i stopped off at the north pole to spend a holiday I called on dear old Santa Claus to see what I could see. He took me to his workshop and told his plans to me. So you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not So, I mean, there it is. He's just stopped off to visit his friend Santa Claus. And he sees something going on in the workshop, which leads to the chorus, which we all know 
as you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty and nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. Which is, I mean, it's been said before. Yeah. But there is something kind of threatening about this. You better well, the, watch out is the is the chorus. Better yeah. watch out. Like, yeah. oh, oh, okay. Yeah, be good. Yeah. Or else. That is, actually, that would be just a fitting enough title for this song. Yeah. Be good or else. Be good or else, yeah. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Yeah, that, that got a little bit creepy there with the with the sleeping part. Yeah, and being good for goodness sake. It's like, yeah. well, no, it's not for goodness sake. It's just so you can get stuff at Christmas. Yeah. Hmm. And then it goes into, you know, you better watch out, you better not cry, and so on, which I guess was a hit. People loved it. Yeah, but the line at the end of the, uh, the space travel verse where they says, uh, and told me his plan so... I have this vision of, I guess, Gillespie and Santa Claus having this conversation. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm just picturing Santa Claus. You know what? These kids, they're all a bunch of jerks. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a list. I'm going to check it twice. This is what's going to happen. I am I'm going to drop the hammer. I'm going to crack the whip. Only good kids get presents now. What gets me is this 1934. It's like, hey, Santa... I'm kind of hey, Santa. yeah, quoting the Wilson sisters yeah. there. It's the depression. Hey, Santa, leave those kids alone. We're all just trying to get through. This, the depression is terrible. You say that it's uh, the biggest song of its time at that time. It's actually the the third biggest uh, Christmas song of all time. That's insane. So I, the ones above must be chestnuts roasting on open fire. No. Oh, really? What are they? Do you know? It's White Christmas mm. and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, <laughs> according to the internet. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. It should have been the Christmas song. That's a, the Nat King Cole Christmas yeah. song should be the one. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. What about uh, what about Hands by Jewel? Oh, gee, you know. Like the Christmas version. Oh, yeah, even better or even worse. All right, continuing with this lyrical analysis, I'm kind of ashamed of myself for having to look up some of this. With little tin horns and little toy drums, Rudy Toot Toots and Rummy Tum Tums, Santa Claus is coming to town. So I'm going to stop right there. I'm not a big fan of the idea of feeding kids uh, booze. Right. Well, here's the thing. Having their tummies full of rum. (laughs) Well, here is the thing. Okay. It's not... Anything to do with that? What? No. Come on. So you have, with little tin horns and little toy drums is the first lyric there. The mm-hmm. next lyric is Rudy Toot Toots, because that's what tin horns do. They toot. Oh, and okay. And Rummy Tum Tums, that's what drums do. They're full of booze? No, they, they tum tums. Oh. Now, I know it says rummy. 
but I'm sure it has lots of different meanings. Yeah. Well, it was the 30s. It was a different time. Oh, yeah. Little tin horns, little toy drums, rooty toot toots and rum-a-tum-tums. Santa Claus is coming to town. So that was the big one that I had to research on. And then I felt so dumb when it's like, like, yeah, just look at the line before. I'm like, oh, I don't have a half a degree in English, do I? Well, that's why I have half a degree. I got the first line, not the second. Santa Claus is coming to town and curly head dolls that toddle and coo. All right. You ready, Frank? It's the dolls that toddle and they coo. Toddle as in maybe if you wind them up and they walk and then they make sounds like coo. I I do not understand 30s language (laughs) at all. You got to get there, see? <laughs> Elephant boats and kitty cars, too? All right, well, we catch this. Santa Claus is coming to town. And then, of course, oh, this gets weird. Then kids in girl and boy land will have a jubilee. They're going to build a toy land all around the Christmas tree. And curly head dogs, the toddle and coo. Elephants, boats, and kitty cars, too. Santa Claus is coming to town. The kids girls in boyland will have a jubilee they're gonna build a toyland town all around the christmas tree so you better watch out well this is like the ultimate like to me consumer kind of christmas song too which is what christmas christmas is a lot of gifts and stuff yeah i get it um you better watch out and then they go on from there yeah so and then it jumps in and these are all lyrics that I am really not familiar with at all because in contemporary versions they don't play these these uh, these lines or these verses. It's it's all just basically straight up chorus. Now Santa is a busy man. He has no time to play. He's got millions of stockings to fill on Christmas Day. You'd better write your letter now and mail it right away because he's getting ready his reindeers and his sleigh. So then they burst back into the chorus. Now Santa is a busy man. He has no time to play. He's got millions of stockings to fill on Christmas Day. You better write your letter now and mail it right away, because he's getting ready his reindeers and his sleigh. Did Gillespie and Coots work for the U.S. Postal Service? It's a perfect theme song for the Postal Service. I know, right? It's basically like, be good and write your letters now. Maybe write more than one. Just throw some stamps on it and and get it out because, you know, the Postal Service needs your money. There's got to be something about where all those letters go. I know there's things written about, but I never bother to look it up. But when people send a letter to Santa Claus, where do they take it to? So, um... My mom uh, oh, has yeah. worked for Canada Post for, uh, she just recently retired, Yeah, but she worked for Canada Post and she was postmaster at a, at a couple of different post offices. She would take all the letters that came in to whatever post office she was stationed at and respond to each and every one of them. Wow. So it just comes right from the source. Never, it, I mean, not so it just comes right out of the office and doesn't even go up to the North Pole? No. No, no. So I, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm ruining people's uh, uh, lives here, maybe. But, and I don't want this podcast to make it sound like you know I'm just propping up my mom, who's an amazing person, because she had to put up with me for 45 years. But you know, she, she would, yeah, she would take all those letters, and, and I guess each postmaster could decide what they would do with those letters. I, I remember writing letters to Santa, never getting a reply, but 
my mom would send replies to people. Wait a second. So you sent a letter to Santa and never got a reply. It, my mom didn't work at that post office. Okay. Because you worked think, that one out of time. All right. So but your, your mom has your letter and doesn't, she could have written you a response, couldn't she? I knew her handwriting. Oh. I learned how to forge her signature for signing bad tests when I, when I didn't do so well at school. <laughs> Does your mom know this? Well, she does now. She listens to the podcast. (laughs) Well, that's great. And apologies to the young listeners. Just because Frank's mom makes some responses doesn't mean the real Santa Claus doesn't also get your letter. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. That whole line that Santa's a busy man, like, don't bother him. Like, yeah. well, why? Like, just talking about that is like, he's busy. You better write your letter. Get it in now, because he's got work to do. He's got to fill millions. Ah, he's a busy man, see? Did Santa give you gifts as a kid? Yes. Okay, I got, like, stockings filled. with. I still the- get gifts from Santa. Okay. Uh, do you leave Spoiler out? no, I I I can, I know that it's my mom's handwriting. Well, okay, yeah, because you... you- <laughs> We know that now. So he gets full, all the gifts or just stocking stuffers? Um, it all depends. Uh, well, there's stocking stuffers, but then if there's a, a if there's a theme going on with the gifts, and you know, the you know, there's one extra is like it came from mom, came from dad, and then just like, oh, oh you got a gift from Santa too. Just you know, right. Same same thing, and and all the nephews and and all the all the kids, they obviously still get gifts from Santa. I had uh, no gifts from Santa that I remember mm-hmm. until I was like eighteen. Oh so, really? Yeah, we were like not pro Santa. We were not anti Santa, but we just said Santa's a thing. But we wanted to keep Christmas focused on the religious aspect, so yep. we get gifts from people. So you'd say thank you to people. Yep. But when I was like... Santa's a person, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> when I was 18, I finally got a gift from Santa. And it was What About Bob? My dad's favorite movie. <laughs> and then my, my sister and brother got gifts from Santa that also were my dad's favorite movies. And he said, what did Santa get you? And then we went into our movie collection. So it became a thing every year. Santa bought yeah. my dad's favorite movies, favorite movies for each of us to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic so i don't feel like i missed out on anything and it was like probably the greatest moment just to get a gift from santa when you're so old that uh, it just becomes laughable yeah but yeah it did get fun yeah although today elijah was talking about santa i'm like oh crap we got to tell you more about the, the manger story yeah the thing was just back to my own history as we work through our own lives yeah is that santa claus was just never talked about in my household, in any way that he was real, other than it was fun to believe in Santa. was, And I kind of like that. They said, it's fun to believe in Santa. Yeah. But then the whole Jesus story was the main thing. But the Jesus story had this sort of spookiness to it. Yeah. I don't know if that's appropriate to say, but there is elements to it that were like, things are like, you don't know if things are going to go okay. You got Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem. There's all these sort of things. You got King no Herod. There's no room in the inn. There's no room in the inn. King got... Herod is not to be trusted. Yeah. And it goes through those. But Santa's just filling up stockings. So it just wasn't a thing for me. So I'll have to go to 
ask you, like, did you did you buy into the whole Santa thing? Oh, 100%. Wow. 100%. How was it when you turned 34 and you realized that your, it was Santa your mom's wasn't handing, real? even though you had been forging your mom's signature for years? Yeah. Well, I found it really weird that uh, Santa and my mom had the same handwriting for so many years. Um, so I guess in the back of my mind, there was always a, a kernel of doubt but uh, I didn't want to believe that doubt. Did you ever wonder if you're just wrong and that Santa was indeed a woman and it just happened to be your mom? No, that didn't. That doesn't play. Because <laughs> Santa has a beard and my mom doesn't. Okay, that was a very solid lyrical analysis bias, if I must say so myself. Yep. We are running a tight, tight ship here today. <laughs> exactly. Merry Christmas to our listeners, by yeah, the way. Merry Christmas. Yeah. This is meant to be fun it and is. enjoyable. Yeah. Like all of our episodes, but this one more so because Christmas is a time of year when you're supposed to be thinking about others and enjoying family and friends and just spending time with your loved ones and just enjoying the season for whatever it is to whoever you are. Wow, that's so safe. Way to go. <laughs> Wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that 87 years later, or 88 years later since this was written, that people are sitting around their radios turning it up to listen to oh, our yeah. podcast. <laughs> it's just coming through all really crackly. And yeah, yeah, just like my phone does right yeah. now. Okay. Now that we have mastered the lyrics, it is yep. time to talk through the versions of the song. So as great as the song is, and it was, it was huge when mm -hmm. it came out, but then it just picked up speed and pace. Yes. Those are the same things, aren't they? I think so. Okay. Well, you're the runner. So more people started covering it, and there's like, things start changing. So the original Santa Claus is Coming to Town is... Santa Claus is coming to town. So it's up, down, up, almost yep. like a sine curve. Yeah. But then something happens when Bing Crosby and the Andrews sisters get a hold on it. Were they, yeah, when did they do their version? That was. I think it might be the late 40s. Okay. But I mean, he releases an album, that Christmas album. Yes. Which is the album. To me, yep. it is the album. Sorry, Mariah. Yeah. Not going to happen. Bing Crosby's Christmas album is, to me, the ultimate album. Just it, his his way of seeing Christmas songs will always yeah. be the one I think of. Yeah, and we will talk about Mariah later, too. Oh, we will. Oh, we will. So here's what happens. Bing Crosby's the first person to take it from a foxtrot mm -hmm. and turned it to a bit of a swing. Okay. Now... Don't understand what either of those terms are. Did it sound like I understood? Yes. Good. Then I don't need to explain it. There I we wouldn't go. Want, yeah. But what does happen is this, that there is these beats. Santa Claus is coming to town. Mm -hmm. So Santa, San is the first beat. Yeah. But Ben Crosby leaves the first beat silent and then brings Santa into the second beat. Okay. So when you hear him sing it... He waits and then does Santa Claus. Did you get a degree in music 
talk. All right. I, I, there's a YouTube video that I'll have to include in the show notes okay. so I don't get, you know, to give the guy props. But it was like, oh, man, this is great. It was okay. a nice five-minute YouTube thing explains to me the song. And it will come up later why this is important, I think. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time Bing Crosby waited. And so apparently that's the swinging it. I think swinging it is like being able to hold that note or wait on the yeah. note. And okay. so then he comes in on it. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Why? Santa Claus is coming to town. Gather round. He's making a so that sets in motion the future of versions. Yes. So a lot of versions love to do the Santa Claus is coming to town. So instead yeah. of Santa Claus, it's Santa yeah. Claus. Is, so they, they wait. They sustain that, that opening yeah. line, right? So they, they give a space and then they give her. Mm-hmm. So Bing Crosby's version is the one I knew growing up. Okay. That's yeah. the big one. However, we're going to, well, we'll talk more about things as we go. Yeah, Perry Cuomo does a version, but yeah. not it's not beating Bing Crosby's. No. Frank Sinatra does a really good version of it. Yeah, he does. He also does a very good version that he duets with Seal. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. It's not actually with Seal, but you know they did the uh, like the uh, unforgettable Natalie Cole and Nat King Cole sort of thing, though posthumously. I almost want to say unforgivable, like, just like <laughs> the, the Elvis Presley duets. It's like. I think Celine Dion duetted with Elvis. It's like, oh, please stop. No, no, no. This is bad. Michael Bublé does a version similar to Sinatra. I think it was okay. I kind of really like that version. Oh, okay. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pop. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming. I'm in the big fat man with the long white beard. He's coming to town. The the Bublé Christmas album is actually pretty good. He's yeah. a likable guy. Yeah. See, I grew up. Um, the one of the big albums, Christmas albums in my house growing up was. Uh, there's a Harry Connick Jr. Where, when My Heart Finds Christmas. Yeah. And it's all the same sort of style, swing style uh, version of, of all these songs. So I grew up and just loving that that yeah. uh, that album, that CD. And we'd play it every single Christmas. And then, so the Michael Buble stuff comes around and, and I'm just like, no, I can get on board with this. I, I kind of enjoy this. So this is like the comfort food. So for me, yeah. it's Bing Crosby. There's some people for them would be Frank Sinatra. Buble's in that sort of yeah. vein. Yeah, yeah. Things take a shift. Yeah. Brenda Lee, Peggy Lee, they do versions. They're all right, but nothing yeah. to me that, that, that really matters. Mm-hmm. But here's um, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. You want to talk about that, Frank? Oh, the, the 1962 version. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I think this might be one of the first releases by Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Yeah, because um, this, this song, they, they record a Christmas album 
Yeah, that's weird. Which is weird. And then after that, they put out their next album and Walk Like a Man goes to number one. But this song, so it's the first top 40 entry for Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And like, okay, I know that I'm going to upset some music purists or whatever, but this version of the song is obnoxious. It's goofy. It's terrible. It feels like a mockery of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Yeah. And so I would have assumed it came out at the end of their careers, but yeah. it began with Yeah. That's very odd to it me. It is like, you hear Frankie Valli and, and that, um, that trademark falsetto, and it's just like, you just, uh, he's like that annoying kid in your class that like, thinks that they're hilarious, but and they keep talking even though everyone's just super annoyed with them. Yeah, it was like a bad impression. I'm sorry, it's a terrible version of the song. This is when you're sleeping. He knows when you're He knows if you've been good. So be good for goodness sake. You better watch out. Now, next version I got, Brown That Same Era, Beach Boys. You hear the Beach Boys version? I haven't heard that one, no. You better watch out. You better Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> That's a circus version. He's checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. It's not bad. Like it has that trademark Beach Boys harmonies and everything, but uh, kind of slow. Yeah, uh, you, you, you'd expect a little bit, a little more pop, a little more bounce from the Beach Boys. Yeah. Now there's other versions that come out, but the big one. Mm-hmm. is what's going to set in motion, I think, most of this episode. Yeah. Phil Spector does his Christmas album. Yes. And the Crystals perform this song under his direction, and they change things up. And oh, okay. It, it sets in motion what we care about here. You better watch out. So this is the version where you really get that second note thing where they mm-hmm. yell the Santa Claus. Like the Bing is kind of a laid back thing, yeah. but this is where it's the most obvious. But what I what I like about this version is like it's big and it's full and there's there's a lot going on, but it's uh, it, the the lyrics are still cautionary, but the feel is more celebratory, right? Like totally. It's it's not. It's not like, you better watch out, like Santa Claus is coming. It's like, no, Santa Claus is coming to town. Like, come on, this is a big thing. So it, it, that's like, it It really bounces. I, yeah. I really like that yeah. version. Arguably, this might be the best version in terms of what it did. It set in motion all the other covers. Yes. Everything comes out of the Phil Spector Crystals version. Yeah, yeah. So... This is going to lead us to, I think, where we're going. Yeah. But we'll talk about other people who have done this before we get to the 
I think we are, we've already kind of in our heads have narrowed it down to two. We've whittled it down to two yeah. amongst ourselves. So let's talk about some others. And I, I mean, listeners who've seen the title of our episode probably already know where we're going. But the Pointer Sisters do a version of this in the 80s. Yeah, that's right. But it feels so kind of goofy. And also, yeah. like, they seem like the type of people who would saddle up to you next to you at, like, a bar for sitting at a table somewhere. And they'd yeah. come in and, like, oh, man, this is trouble. I don't know what they're <laughs> up to, but they just seem like they're looking for trouble. Yeah. The really disappointing version is Mariah Carey's. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I'm, I am a very big fan of Mariah's work and everything, but this one, it's all just backup singers. Mm-hmm. Like, she has very little uh, involvement in this song. The opening sounds a lot like another song. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds a lot like Santa Claus is coming to town. It sounds like all I want for Christmas is you. Yes, yeah. It's the same like it's just like the same thing. Yeah. It's so I don't get it. I don't but I, I don't get the whole thing that Mariah's become this anyways, that's a whole yeah. other thing. Yeah. But when you listen to that version, it's the backup singers that are doing all the heavy lifting. Well, there's something to be said for sometimes Christmas albums are kind of just put together. Yeah. And they just kind of come in and do their work and then walk home and let the producer do the work. Yeah. There's a version I'm not sure if you're aware of because you haven't brought it up. I'm going to play it for you right now. I don't know if I'm going to play it for you in its entirety. I might. We'll see. How are you feeling? It's kind of a dirty sound, a bit of a kind of grinding. Yeah. <gasps> I didn't cry. I did not know you did this song. Come on. Yeah, okay. This is a good version. I will get behind this version 100%. Like, there's a seriousness about it, but there's a joy in that seriousness. Here's a guy who doesn't do anything by half measures. No. And so I wanted to title this episode An Impossible Decision, is that you came to me with two versions of a song, and this wasn't one of them, and I'm just waiting to put it on to see if you hadn't thought of it. And this is great that you're now going to have to say you oh, didn't pick Michael Bolton's version. This is a triple threat match it is. for me. Yeah. Well, he does use the Crystals version, kind of, but the yeah. Eagles full Bolton. Oh, yeah. All over 100% it. 100% Bolton on that. And so there's a lot of other versions. There's like a version by the Supremes, which is Motown and it does yeah. its thing. And then there's a Partridge Family version that I don't really want to talk about. Alice Cooper does a version. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah. No. No, no. 
Um, There's a couple of country ver- like Charlie Daniels, yep. uh, George Strait. They they do versions of it. Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson yeah. have significant versions. And then to the modern era, the cleanest type of vocal is pentatonics. Oh. I'm not sure how. I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I bought this for my parents for Christmas. Yeah. They do. It's, I, it's good. I would really appreciate it if I was at a concert. Technically, it's good. Yeah. Similarly, they're swinging it. Yeah. Now, there is one more version before we get to our top two. Yeah. Top three. Top Top three now. (laughs) Top three. Top three now. Okay. It's happening. All right. It's happening. I'm calling an audible. It is an audible. This is not even in my notes. This is going to throw me off. There's a version by a guy named Joseph Spence, who's from the Bahamas. Okay. And musicologists would go to visit him to hear what he would do in terms of his playing of guitar and singing. Oh, okay. So he has a version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town that is almost like a, someone wrote that it's like a performance art piece. And so it's a guy who's singing the song, he knows the melody and not the words, and he perfectly nails it, even though he just starts making up sounds when he oh, okay. doesn't know the words. So here's Joseph Spence. I don't know if I like this version. I don't think I do. It's going to grow on you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Give it time. Give it time. He's a bit like the farmer in Napoleon Dynamite who was trying to explain to them things when they were working there and they'd give him eggs to eat. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, there, there's also, um, there's a version I heard. It's a English-Spanish version, uh, which was, it was really good. Sebastian uh, Yatra. Listen to that. Like, if you get the chance, it's, uh, I really, really kind of liked it. it. It's still really swingy and everything, but uh he oscillates between English and Spanish while he's singing it, but it's a it, it's a it's a good little version. Okay, so we are now down to a triple threat match. I had plans of having a duo, which I did not prepare for this. So Frank has included... Steel chair to the back. Exactly. Frank has included Michael Bolton into our mix. And also realizing that I really sort of understood that he had a version of this about five minutes ago. Yeah. And so he's had to take on two major heavyweights. Yeah. Good luck, Bolton. You have Fulton can hold us all. 1970s Jackson Fives Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, from their pretty impeccable Christmas album. Yeah, it is incredible. Yeah, it is. And then you have Peak Springsteen, 1975 December. 
I mean, peak Springsteen, I think, goes from 75 to 78 for his live performances. Yeah. Or maybe even longer. Well, it's even, insane. Well, well, he had some great albums in the 80s, too. Well, commercially Definitely. very successful yeah. albums, anyways. But what he could do as a performer, mm-hmm. insane. And yeah. so 1975, December, we have our first version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And so we have Michael Jackson, who's 12 years old, singing... Santa Claus is coming to town, and we have Bruce Springsteen at 27 singing Santa Claus is coming to town, which is insane to me as well, how young everyone is. I know, right? Even Springsteen. 27 feels so young, but Michael Jackson is 12. Yeah. So the Jackson 5 version, like it comes in and there's no messing around. They come in hot right off the bat and they're just belting out the chorus and it's uh it's little michael little 12 year old michael and he's just like santa claus is coming to town and it it hits right off the hop okay let's let's have a quick listen here just for us here and then we can do our discussion It's so joyous. It's so joyous. So for all the things we talked about in our so-called analysis, (laughs) Michael Jackson blows them away. Now, I know there's a producer. I know there's things going on in the song. Mm -hmm. I really should take a look at the producer. (laughs) So before we jump into that, like, I got caught up in the moment. Like, and please forgive me, Michael Bolton, but you're... Out of the top three, it, 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 it's 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 two songs now battling here. That that song is just oh my goodness, that version so so good. Yeah, Michael Jackson. For all the jokes we sometimes make about, or we might be dismissive of him, maybe just because we're so used to him. But mm-hmm. hearing him at twelve, it's insane. Such a massive talent at such a young age. And the producer for this is Hal Davis. I don't know much about him. But what I do know is that Michael Jackson, no matter what, brings something to the table that none of the other groups could match. It's crazy. I love the Crystals and the Supremes and everyone else, but there's something about his voice that has this confidence. There's a confidence and there's an excitement. Yeah. Like when he busts into that uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, like there's an excitement. Like I know he's a kid, but it feels like... He's a kid and he's super pumped about Christmas. He's oh, yeah. like he's he's screaming from the rooftops. Santa Claus is coming to town because that this is the most exciting thing in his life. Yeah. And so it erases all the sort of negativity around Santa Claus that we got from the other that we would take from the other song. Like, hey, yeah. you better be nice. Yeah. Michael's so excited. It was like, I ah, give this kid a gift. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Kids are kids. <laughs> give him the gift. Yeah. So that is the Jackson version. And there's the whole album's great. That album's yeah. about oh, 33 yeah. minutes long and it's nearly perfect. I, I mean, I don't even know what I judge as perfect, but it's kind of funny. If you listen to it, there's, there's a part of the album where they're like, oh, why are you upset, 
Tito or Jermaine, they picked one of the two older guys. Oh, look, he's all sad. Oh, someone broke up with him. He's all alone at Christmas. <laughs> it's just so funny. Tito and Jermaine, I know how you feel. Yeah, I know how you feel. Thank goodness Michael Jackson's my brother. <laughs> okay, so that's version one. Yeah. And it, it is, as the kids say, it slaps. Oh, geez, it's a banger. Okay, kids don't say that, actually. I think don't old they? people say slaps. Okay. A banger? Who says that? 20-year-olds? I don't know. I don't... Okay. <laughs> I've never heard the term, it slaps, before in my okay. life. So it's okay. got to be young kids. Okay. It slaps. Okay. And now we have another version. Yeah. We have Bruce Springsteen's version. Yeah. And, uh, all right, let's 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 throw that down here. He knows if you've been good, you better be good for goodness So the Bruce Springsteen version uh, was 75, right? Yeah. December 75. And it's live. Yeah. That's the key. Which is fantastic. But it starts off like almost the exact opposite from the Jackson 5 version. It's a slow burn. There's a spoken word section and he's talking to his his band. And I always like listen to it thinking, especially growing up, I always thought, I was like, it's just like... It's a lame uncle trying to relate to kids. That's what I thought it was yeah. at the beginning. But now I'm listening to it, just like, no, he's just he's chatting with his band. Like and, and they're having a ton of fun. Yes. And this is the thing. Like, so originally I came in here with Jackson Five is the version. Yeah. That's my choice. Yeah. But listening to this, it's tough because one is it's the boss. So Springsteen is running his show, but he's doing his thing where he's talking to the bandmates. They're laughing. Yeah. He loves talking to Clarence, yeah, right? Clarence he, is always his go-to guy. Yeah. And he's just riffing on stage. Like, none of yeah. this is scripted, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming. Anyway. Yeah. Well, he do, he ends up doing it like you'll 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 hear other versions where he's doing things with this, but it's yeah. the same type of deal where he's like, you guys been good, you're going to get things, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's laughing about it. And then Clarence, I know from seeing Bruce Springsteen a couple of times, is like, I was at the last show that Clarence ever played as well. Oh, okay. In Buffalo. Yeah. And um, he loved just kind of deferring to him or going to him because it yeah. sort of gave him strength somehow. Yeah. And so he would look over to Clarence and then Clarence does that ho, ho, ho. And that's why okay. he can't stop laughing. Oh, okay. Because he thinks it's so funny that every time Clarence does a ho, 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 he starts laughing. And okay. so you can see it in the song that he's trying to keep it together. Every time you hear ho, 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 yeah. it's Clarence doing his thing. And... It's live. Yeah. This is the thing. That whole band is playing. And so you you hear like Springsteen coming in and out of the mic. Yeah. And, oh, and he's it, laughing through some yeah. of his lines. And I found out actually. So he's singing. It's just like, you better be good for goodness sake. And then there's, you better be good for. Do you know who does that? That's Boris Karloff. What? <laughs> No, he doesn't. It's the worst trivia. You just ruined someone's trivia night. That is not Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. What am I thinking about? That's just Clarence Clemens. That's Clarence. Boris Karloff is on The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. 
That's the same thing, isn't no. it? No. No, it's Clarence Clements the whole time. It's only Clarence. I think little Stevie's probably shouting out there in the background for sure. But that is the worst trivia ever. That's a Christmas lump of coal you just gave to our audience. You made that up. Why do you even have that computer in front of you? I wrote it down on the computer. <laughs> It is so fun. This version is so fun. And when the saxophone comes in, there's this looseness to it. Yeah. Right? I guess this is it. He is intentionally calling out Phil Spector and the Crystals. Like he made Born to Run to feel like a Phil Spector wall of sound production. Okay, yep. And so it makes sense that he would do this song thinking about Phil Spector. Yeah. Now, when the Jacksons are doing their thing, it's not really a Phil Spector thing at all. He's not involved. Mm -hmm. So there's a one is following through like this sort of history. Pointer Sisters also are purposely doing the Bruce Springsteen thing because they're connected. Yeah. He gave them Fire, the song. And they and and so I think E Street Band plays with them and all yeah. this. And even E Street Band played with Darlene Love on some songs. So oh, there's a whole bunch of yeah, things yeah, yeah. going here. So you have a very clean production from the Jackson Five. Yeah. It's in studio. Yeah. It's Pure vocals. Michael yeah. Jackson is is insane as a vocalist. And he just drives that the song. The whole song is yeah. based on it, where you have Springsteen, who's not the greatest voice in the biz, but he has all the heart. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I came in thinking, you know, this is a Jackson 5 slam dunk. But then, like, listening to the Bruce Springsteen in preparation again um, earlier today and then listening to it again right then and there, you can feel that there's... There is still that that uh, like immense immense joy, and what I, what I love about it is, um, it's a song that's really endured as a live version of a song. Like every single you you'll hear it fifty times uh, th- this season, yeah, easily. Yeah, and 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 it, I don't really tire of it. I don't tire of the Jackson Five version either. Yeah. We've subtitled this an impossible decision. Yeah, and, and it really is right now. It really now for is because before it was with Aaron Neville and Ronstadt. The impossible decision was which one's better. But you and I had staked our claim. Yeah, but this time, I don't know if I I can't make a decision because I thought it would be Jackson Five. Yeah, but even on the way here, I had decided it would be Jackson Five, and then I listened to the Bruce Springsteen. Like, holy cow! Yeah, this is good, and it's. It's good in this sort of joyous party way. I mean, Jackson 5 is definitely a party, but there's yeah. also this looseness of the Springsteen. Yeah. And maybe because today's podcast is so loose. <laughs> we, zero structure. Yeah. That if I, I feel like, I hope we're getting into our E Street years Yeah, coming here. So um, I don't know how to... Uh, we're not going to make a decision, are we, are on this? I don't think so. We're going to leave this up to the to the listeners to, to choose what they think. And and write to us, whether through the electronic mail or through texts, if you have our phones. 
Or the socials. Or the socials. There's a, I will, we'll certainly put up. Or send my mom a letter through the post office and yeah. address it to Santa. Yeah, and you'll get a letter back from Santa. Yes. Now, there is a version I didn't get to talk about. I do want to give special mentions and shout outs to our friend from Stratford, Justin Bieber. It's not a bad version. Not a bad version at all. I can't believe how good it is. And usually I like to just hate on the kid, but uh, I mean, he's gone through his struggles and everything, but uh, pretty good version. I gotta say, I'm pretty sure he's channeling Michael Jackson in the yeah. way he's trying to sing. So there's yeah. something there to it that the Jackson version, I think he's going for a later Michael Jackson. Yeah. But it's fun. However... Springsteen and the Jackson 5 RR2. Yeah. Justin, you get a special little spot. And Michael Bolton... He gets his own special he spot. He gets his too. special spot. Yeah. You're right. Like, this is an impossible decision. Like, which which version of the song is the better or the... Like, which one brings you the most joy, Bill? That's the big question. Because I think it depends on where I'm at. The Jackson 5 immediately feels joyous. Yeah. But that Springsteen one is sneaky. Yeah. And it sticks with me. Yeah. And there are things about Springsteen that kind of drive me nuts. There is a song called Queen of the Supermarket that feels unforgivable to me. (laughs) That feels like it tries to erase his whole history. Michael Jackson also did other music that I didn't... Yeah. Honestly, after the Bad album, I don't think he... Yeah. Like, might get myself in trouble here. But uh, after that, I really don't think he did too much else that was... Terribly good music. Yeah. So, in this moment, though, Santa Claus Coming to Town is a song I, I have to go back to saying I don't love it. However, when I hear these two versions, it kind of erases all the negativity I feel about the song. Or the Big Brother 1984 vibes that it gives off. Yeah. And so, instead, it's like Michael Jackson ends up just depleting all of Santa's power yeah. in a way. Yeah, because right? like, he's just super pumped that yeah. this dude's coming to town. Yeah, so screw you, Santa. Just yeah. give him his gifts. Yeah, give him his gifts. Yeah. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Springsteen makes it so hilarious. Yeah. Just the idea of us having this song is funny. And just the way he says it to Clarence and the other people in the band, depending on what version you hear, um, there's live versions you can see Mm -hmm. from the 70s where it's like, this is hilarious that we talk about this person only gives you gifts if you're nice. Yeah. Yeah, Come on, man. And just just the fact that he can't even sing through some of the lines because he's he's giggling on stage, which I, I find just endearing. And then to be able to still pull the song all together. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's truly impossible. Santa 
So this is in your hands. This is in the hands of the listeners right now to make up their decision, which is the version that wins out, which is their Christmas version of this song. And while you're trying to decide it, feel free to give us a thumbs up or leave us a review. Exactly. What's your favorite version of our podcast? I would like to thank all of them. So what's your favorite version of this song? We, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message, but just know that Bill and I, we're, we're both busy men, and uh, we don't have time to play. We got millions of things to do before Christmas Day, so you better write your letters now and mail them right away. <laughs> There's nothing like ending this, quoting this one part that no one ever hears. <laughs> <laughs> the most like... <laughs> obscure part of the song. All right. I got this. (laughs) As we come to the end of the year here, we're going to be taking a week off, actually, because Christmas, if you're listening to it in the year that this actually comes out, Christmas is coming out on the Sunday, which is our usually release day. We're going to take some time off. As in time, it's just like a week. But (laughs) I got this. It's going to come together. Ready? We thank you so much for listening to our episodes. And unlike Santa Claus, we want you to know that we don't make lists. We don't check it twice. We're not going to try to find out if you're naughty or nice. We just want you to have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Happy Holidays. 